Welcome to Compare to Who, the podcast to help you stop comparing and start living. I'm your host, Heather Creekmore. I hate to admit this, but I used to secretly obsess over my appearance. I thought it was part of my job as a woman to always look better, but never felt like I could be good enough. Maybe you can relate. God, in His grace, showed me a way out, and I want to give you all the tools you need to break free too. If you've ever spent too much time stressing over your looks, I get it. I hope you'll keep listening and find the same freedom I have. Here are three other things you should know about me. I'm a minivan driving mom of four. I'm author of the book Compared to Who and the forthcoming book The Burden of Better. I'm a blogger at comparedtowho.me and you just may have seen my epic big fail on Netflix. If you've ever struggled with comparison or body image issues, Compared to Who is the show for you. I hope you enjoy today's episode and hey, tell a friend about it. Well, hello and welcome to the Compared to Podcast. I'm Heather Creekmore and I'm really glad that you're listening today. Today, my guest has a tremendous story of finding freedom and I can't wait for you to hear it. Cassandra Baker, she knows what it's like to have a love-hate relationship with food and her body. In fact, it's her own personal experience in recovering from two eating disorders that drive her passion to encourage women to find freedom. She's a certified life and health coach, public speaker, and she helps women who are trapped in unhealthy habits such as perfectionism, disordered eating, legalism, people-pleasing, all the things so they can live free in Christ. Cassandra, thank you so much for being on the Compared to Who show today. Hi, Heather. Thanks for having me. Sure. Hey, so why don't we tell people how we met? Yeah, I think it was like in 2018. I had first come across your book. That's first how I found out about you and had read it and changed my life. And so I was following you online and you were reaching out about doing a group. And so I signed up as one of the first participants. So that's originally how we met. Yes. And you, you say the word participant and I'm, I'm going to say the word guinea pig (laughs) because you were part of, you didn't know that Uh, you were part of one of the very first coaching groups that I did. And, and so in some ways we were kind of learning together, but, but I think it was a good experience for you. And we'll get into that later. I'm wondering if you would just tell the listeners a little bit about you. You have a tremendous story of overcoming disordered eating. And I'm wondering if you'll just share your story for us today. Yeah. Yeah, so I am a woman who does not have it together, uh, but for almost two decades, I wore a mask Mm. so that everyone would think that I would have it together. Mm. But uh, the reality was that um, I was really being uh, crushed by who I call Ed and the gang. So Ed stands for my eating disorders, uh, binge eating disorder and orthorexia. Uh, orthorexia is an unhealthy obsession with healthy eating. And then um, the gang, they represent all those isms, the perfectionism, people pleasing, legalism. And so, um, you know, life was miserable. The best way for me to really kind of describe what it was like is like laying on the ground and this several ton of rock uh, laying on top of me. So like no air can get in, no light. Uh, it's just completely dark, crushing. And that's what it felt like living with Ed and the gang. But it was really frustrating to me because I grew up in a Christian home. I accepted Jesus at the age of four while watching Billy Graham on TV. Mm-hmm. Awesome. And so it was so confusing because, you know, I even went to a Christian university and I kept hearing about Jesus and this freedom. And I knew that that he did that for me, but I wasn't experiencing it. And so 
it was just really frustrating and difficult. But uh, good news is I uh, no longer live under Ed and the gang that rock. And um, if it's possible for me to uh, to recover from where I was, which you know at many times was me just like praying that Jesus would just take me because life was just so difficult that I want to help other women. And actually it, it has been my dream since college. Hmm. I was in a women's ministry class and one of the projects was to create an organization to help women. And so mine was to help women uh, break free from their eating disorder, but gosh, I was, you know, trapped underneath there myself. Hmm. So um, it is a dream come true to some 14 years later, be able to, uh, live out that dream that um, through my own uh, ministry, authenticity and grace. So I have uh, two furry children, Moosey and Kira, <laughs> and together they weigh 15 pounds. Oh, wow. <laughs> <laughs> and, um, and then I am uh, the proud aunt of two nieces and two nephews, Aww. and I love my role as the cool aunt. So. <laughs> That's awesome. Well, I tell you, before we go any further, would you mind kind of fleshing out orthorexia? Because this is a newer eating disorder, and I'm not sure how many people actually know exactly what it is and what that looks like. Would you mind telling us a little bit more about that? So for me, orthorexia really uh, kind of started as just I was going to cut some things from my um, diet. My husband and I were going to go on a cruise and I started losing weight. And then I started incorporating some uh, exercise, which then developed into obsessive exercising. And eventually as the weight came off, people would um, praise me. I mean, like I got uh, compliments and I got to a size that I'd never got before. And so I thought, Oh, this is freedom because mm -hmm. I, you know, lost the weight. Of course, um, my eating disorder, Ed, he still thought I could do more. And so the more I lost, the more I cut out. And so it sounds at first like, how can, how can an obsession with healthy eating be a bad thing? But for me, it meant like I would bring food to events or I just want to eat. Uh -huh. I wouldn't go to events. I um, would have to spend like eight to 10 hours every weekend prep cooking because wow. for me, I was a clean eater. So I couldn't eat anything that was unprocessed. And of course, you know, it's good to take care of our bodies, but I couldn't eat mm -hmm. something that was processed. So mm -hmm. that's where it became, you know, there wasn't freedom in that. Freedom is being able to like take care of our body, but also being able to have ice cream every once in a while. Right. And mm -hmm. I couldn't do that. The yeah. eating disorder wouldn't allow that. Has body image been bogging you down for too long? It's time to get free, my friend. Go to comparejahoo.me, take your free body image awareness quiz. You will learn amazing things. You'll get your results right away. And I think you'll have fun too, because I mean, who doesn't love to take quizzes? Go to compareto.me. There's lots of great resources on that site. Articles about body image and comparison and how you can find freedom through the gospel of Jesus Christ. Check it out today, right after this episode, of course. It 
has so much control over you. It, I think it's very much like you said, you can't do it. I mean, it's, it's, it's running, <laughs> running your thought processes, running your decisions to the point where you, you can't defy it. And it has, it has a lot of control in that way. But I think there's something else interesting in what you said, and that is that I think a lot of people, maybe even someone listening today, default to the lie that thin equals freedom. And that if I could just be thin, then I would be free from this. And so what I hear you saying and what you know, I know to be true is you got to thin, but there was no freedom there at all. Mm-hmm. Is that correct? Yeah, it is. And in fact, it's so ironic because I got to where I never thought I would be. I mean, like I was literally the size that I remember going back and reading in my journal, like if I would be this size, then mm-hmm. I would be happy. But it literally took eating disorder behaviors to get there. And then everyone was praising me for it. So everyone was praising me basically for having an eating disorder. And so one of the hardest things for sure about recovery has for me has met uh, weight gain. Mm. But it's interesting because I'm back where I was prior to the orthorexia and I'm actually free. I was never free uh, in the orthorexia. The other thing too is now this is very embarrassing and this is me being very real but there was a lot of pride that came with Mm -hmm. it um you know i remember being in the grocery store line and um just like thinking so highly of myself because of my what was on the Mm -hmm. conveyor belt and thought i was so much better i mean so much better than other people because i had control but i didn't have control because i couldn't eat a piece of cake. I had to do the all or nothing. And so um, it's hard for me to realize like a lot of people probably look at me now and think, oh, well, she who knew me before, like, oh, she gained weight. She's, you know, not as healthy. But that's a lie because Mm -hmm. I was unhealthy in the eating disorder. And so for me, that has been the hardest struggle is laying down that beauty idol Mm. of people thinking, you know, highly of me because uh, they think I'm healthy or whatever. But, you know, interestingly enough, like I still do the same things I did in in regards to like trying to eat, to, to take care of my body and to exercise and to move, but it's just not to the extremes. Mm-hmm. And uh, believe it or not. Okay. So, uh, before, uh, the orthorexia, Debbie stuffed Oreos were my coping <laughs> food of choice. <laughs> That's awesome. And, you know, before the orthorexia with the binge eating disorder, I, you know, I was with um, binging a lot of time. Most of the times there's restriction, which is leading to the binging. And so there was a lot of dieting and restriction. And so then, you know, I would uh, use, also use double septorios to cope. But uh-huh. interestingly enough, you know, like I thought I didn't have any control around them. Um, but when I started going through recovery, I worked with a dietitian who specialized in eating disorders and um, I learned intuitive eating. It was really about um, like I had permission. And when that, when that restriction and deprivation was taken away, um, interestingly enough, I no longer like devil stuffed Oreos by themselves. Mm, interesting. Like, because before I was just, you know, eating and trying to soothe myself or mm. feed myself because I was starving. Right. Mm. But um, but 
now like I pay attention to my food and I'm really aware like what does this taste like do I like it and now like it has a, a chemical taste to me don't mm -hmm. get me wrong I love them in like <laughs> cream and brownies and all that kind of stuff <laughs> like I can have a double uh, package of double stuffed Oreos in my freezer uh, for weeks, months, and not even think about it. And that never would have been possible before. So that again, just, you know, shows the freedom that God has given me. And honestly, so often when people struggle with a full-blown eating disorder, there's a lot of overlay between even some of the different disorders, mm -hmm. right? So you think binge eating, you think binging, but that's, again, you don't really think about the restriction, the mm -hmm. dieting uh, that's actually going on. Hey there, how much is freedom worth to you? That's kind of an odd question, right? When I was in the midst of my struggle with disordered eating and body image, I would have paid anything I had to be free. Truth is, I spent a lot of my budget on things I thought could help me be free, like new diets, exercise gizmos, clothing, but none of those things really helped. I'm so grateful that God showed me the way out. And now I'm passionate about helping others find their way out too. I want them to know that Jesus already paid it all. They don't have to spend another cent to find the freedom they really desire. But truth is, it does cost me something to get this message out compared to who can't spread the message of Jesus' offer of freedom without the help of women like you. Would you consider making a contribution? Check out Compared to Who's Patreon page at patreon.com slash compared to who. Then prayerfully consider giving $1 or $5 a month, whatever you can to help. Any amount you'd be willing to donate would be a huge blessing and will go directly towards covering the operating expenses of this ministry. Thank you for being a part of seeing other women set free from the chains of body image and comparison. May God bless your generosity. My friend, Erin Carey, who is a uh, nutrition coach, she uh, and I run, are running these classes on Facebook. And part of the part that she adds is, is about some of the nutrition things. And we had an interesting conversation with our group. We do a group Zoom call. Interesting conversation last night about the concept of restriction versus restraint, right? Because like restriction means I can't, I can't, I can't. Mm -hmm. And, and that's what, like you said, leads to the binging, leads to the, I'm starving. I'm going to eat anything and everything in sight. I can only think about food, you know, obsession over food, like all those things, because your body is, is not nourished well because you've been restricting too much. But restraint is really more the practice of, of stopping and saying, like, you, like you're saying, like, do these even taste good? <laughs> like, like, do I even like this food or, you know, taking it one step further, like, how does this food make me feel? Mm -hmm. Like if I eat like, you know, a package of double stuffed Oreos, how will I feel afterwards? Like how, how, how is that going to affect, you know, my body tomorrow, not in a weight way, but how is that going to affect if I'm able to get out of bed <laughs> with energy? You know, what is this going to do to my mental clarity? Those kind of things. So it's, it's a really interesting and, and kind of like a fine line, if you will, between that restriction and the restraint and being able to say, okay, I choose not to eat this versus I am under the control of an eating disorder and I, I can't, I can't eat this or I won't eat this because, you know, I'm, I'm afraid of what it will do to me. So yeah, that's, that's, that's good stuff there. So God's, God's been working on you for a number of years in this area. And I'd love... I love the name of your ministry is Authenticity and Grace. And it sounds to me like what God's really been showing you 
is that you can use his grace, can apply his grace to your life in these issues. Can you kind of flesh that out for me a little bit? Like what has God, what has God been doing in your life? Back in 2011, I started a Bible study that, um, that was a very intensive Bible study. And it, for the first time, really kind of helped me to be able to see how like my dysfunctional behaviors and my emotions and the lies were um, causing so much problems. And so that as someone who's like visual, cause I knew my life was like a, a you know, the Ed in the gang underneath Ed in mm-hmm. the gang, but I, I couldn't like say why it was happening. Cause I don't have like looking back at my life, I don't have like major traumas um, looking back. So as I got into counseling, I was better able to see how there were things in my past while they might not have been as obvious as some people's that really uh, led and contributed to the eating disorder. So obviously working with my counselor, we were able to work on some of that, some of that deep wound stuff. And it was during that time that the eating disorder morphed into orthorexia, mm-hmm. but I was working on the deeper wound stuff. And so the behavioral stuff, right. Um, was kind of still not being addressed. Mm-hmm. Well, then eventually, you know, with the orthorexia, it was probably about four or five years maybe that I was really wrestling with that. And so funny story, I guess, but basically God knew that I wouldn't just walk away from the orthorexia on my own. Mm. So he literally, um, I passed out July 1st of 2014, mm. uh, in, in the Walmart pharmacy and I hit a couple shelves on the way down and landed on concrete Wow, and uh, I don't remember the event or the two hospital or two ambulance rides to the trauma center after that. But uh, basically, he knocked me out, yeah. and um, and then within two years, I had three more traumatic brain injuries, and so God, in His loving mercy, um, took away my ability to do those behaviors that allowed me to be that smaller size. So mm-hmm. I could no longer get out of bed or drive, let alone Mm -hmm. spend hours in the kitchen or, you know, do the very intensive hard on my body exercising um, almost every day. So while, while it was hard, um, you know, as Timothy Keller says, you know, we're both big fans. Mm -hmm. Our idols will always destroy us. And so, um, well, you know, for me, being in a smaller body, I mean, if I'm being honest, I like the way that my body felt in a smaller body many times. But uh, for me, it was unhealthy because it became more important than God. Mm-hmm. And so um, while I would not have chosen the TBIs, mm-hmm. I'm grateful uh, because living life, you know, before recovery was like black and white, like everything was tainted by Ed and the gang. Mm-hmm. Uh, now life is like living in color and I have space in my brain to think about things other than food and my body and I can live my life. And, um, I mean, don't get me wrong. We're, I'm still living in a society that puts a high value on what we look like, but you know, I have an opportunity to, I think, be able to go out and share that you know, even when we get close to that, it, it's still not going to ultimately um, make us happy. And, you know, I always thought and bought into the lie that being 
like you were talking about earlier, in order to be healthy, you have to be thin. Mm -hmm. And so I guess I really believe that God created all women to be a very small size and below. (laughs) Interesting. Yeah. (laughs) Yeah. It makes sense. Yeah. 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 I really thought that. And then, and then as I, you know, uh, learn more about um, intuitive eating and health at every size, you know, I realized if the same two women ate the same things and exercised the same amount, they're still not going to be the same size. Mm-hmm. And our God created the fly and the elephant. So mm-hmm. why would I think that he would be so small minded to only create women in such a, like a very tiny mold? And our beauty actually comes in that we're different and that we each have the unique beauty of us. And so um, why are we trying, why have I spent so much of my life trying to fit into a mold to look like someone else? Yeah. That, yeah, that's good. Well, and then additionally, it's like, how are we defining health? If, mm-hmm. if health just means a small size physically, then we're really just looking at ourselves as one dimensional creatures, right? Because to be that small size physically, if you have to sacrifice your mental health, your emotional health, your spiritual health, then really, I would say you're not healthy, right? I mean, even if you've got the body, um, but you've had to sacrifice all those other things, like you can't, you can't put a healthy label on that. Uh, But I think what you said was really important about your, your TBIs, your traumatic brain injury incidences being grace, because I think that's, that's uncomfortable (laughs) for a lot of people, right? Like how can that be something like that's gracious on from God? Like that is painful. And that, that had a lot of consequences for you. But I think what I hear you saying is, I mean, that, that helped save you (laughs) from, from really the destructive pattern of, as I love how you call it, Ed, of your eating disorder. I mean, and, and that's an amazing grace. I think that God, God was able to, um, to help you change in that, that significant of a way. And I know I talk to women all the time who are frustrated because their adrenals have failed and they can't exercise anymore or their thyroid is shot and there's just no budging the scale or, you know, all these different physical things. And it's like, I can understand and sympathize with that for sure. I mean, I've walked through adrenal issues and thyroid issues and, but at the same time, it's like, do we have to stop and say, wow, could this be God's grace to me to really, really shift the allegiance of my heart from this body image idol to the true king, to Jesus. Um, and so I think that's really important. And then there was one other thing you said, which I loved, which was you got back, I wrote it down. You got back space in your brain because you're not <laughs> thinking about food and your body anymore. I mean, that's, that's the real deal, isn't it? I mean, what, flesh that out a little bit because I think everyone listening that's dealt with this gets that. But let's, let's hear how it looked for you because I think that'll help the rest of us feel better. (laughs) So like I found that the more I got into the orthorexia, I actually was obsessed and consumed more and more with Mm. food. Think about it. I mean, literally I was starving. So the, the cave brain, uh, the survival part of my brain was like, I need to survive. I need to, you know, eat. So, so literally that's what happens. Uh, I think you, uh, were talking the other, uh, episode about the Minnesota starvation study where they uh-huh. met, you know, right. Starved. And so that's what happens. Our, our brain goes into survival mode when we're starved. So, so there's a biological side, you know, to it. Um, 
And so the other thing too, like when you're starving, you really can't think about other things, right? Because you're just trying to survive. I mean, you might not yeah. consciously be aware of that, but subconsciously, that's what um, your brain is doing. And so there's a biological side of it, but then also there's the mental, emotional, and spiritual side of it. Um, you know, so many people, like even close to me, praise me so highly for um, for the weight loss. And see, their comments only confirmed what Ed told me for so many mm-hmm. years, that I would be more valuable and lovable in a smaller body. But ultimately, I just was more consumed with it. And so I wasn't living life, right? I mean, even though I was in a smaller body at that time, I was. it took so much energy and time to just maintain it that I was actually missing out on life. And so now more space means that I'm not waiting uh, for my body to change, to Mm -hmm. do the thing that I want to do. Like I have to be honest, when I thought about helping women live free Mm -hmm. uh, back in college, it looked like a smaller body. Uh (laughs) Um, But the reality is it, it looks like the size that I am at now because I'm taking care of my body and I'm not in the extremes of eating too much or too little. I'm listening to my body, how my body is made. And now after the TBI, I also have, uh, it's called dysautonomia, basically how my brain communicates with some of my organs uh, to like hunger signals and different things uh, has changed. And so it's just never going to look the same Mm -hmm. because my I have a global brain injury. So both the left and sides of my brain were injured. Mm-hmm. And, um, but you know what, this may sound weird and this is hard for me to, to still give up. So I'm like, it's a work in progress. I haven't all arrived, but you know, I think we need to see women in all different shapes and sizes sharing this message mm-hmm. because and again, I still would have what they would call thin privilege as far as like when I'm on an airplane, I don't have to worry about fitting into the seat. Mm-hmm. But we need to see women of different sizes talking about taking care of their body in a different size. Mm-hmm. Um, because unfortunately, I have not seen a difference in the Christian community and the secular world when it comes to how we treat people mm-hmm. in larger bodies. I, mm-hmm. I see the same discrimination going on. And so I think it's important that I share my body and that God created me the size that I am, which is a much more average sized woman. Um, And the average sized woman weighs 23% more than the model. Mm -hmm. And she meets the clinical criteria for anorexia. Yet that is a standard that society says we need to be on 20 years ago it was only 8% difference. And so it's just unrealistic. And, you know, the research out there suggests that being five pounds underweight is actually more detrimental to your health than even 75 pounds over Hmm. because of the, how hard it is on your body Hmm. when you're not getting enough food and diets, their calorie counts are not giving adequate energy for us. Right. So like I said, Erin, my friend who's the health coach, her episode is the one where we talked about that Minnesota study, but your body is designed to keep you alive. Mm-hmm. And so like, that's why when we over restrict, our minds are obsessed with food in some ways, because your body knows that it has one mission, you know, just like, you know, like if you were an animal in the wild, in a way, like you have one mission, you need food. And so that's why our brains are so obsessed. But then that's also why our bodies have set points 
right? Mm-hmm. And why we don't want to give up the weight after dieting and, you know, years and years of yo-yo dieting and feast and famine and all that stuff. It's because our bodies are trying to keep us alive. <laughs> they know, you know, they know what we need. Uh, and so, yeah, that's, that's, that's really good. So you said something that is a nice segue into where I wanted to go next. You said something along the lines of, you know, not that I have it all together. And I thought, I think that's a big misnomer around being able to help women on this issue is that women think they have to be, I don't know if free is the right word, but they think they have to be like completely perfect (laughs) on, on an issue before they can help any other women find freedom. And I know that you don't think that's the case. Would you mind fleshing out your experience on this topic for me? So I think, you know, when we started working together, you know, I had made progress for sure in my recovery, but I felt like it would just be good to see, to work underneath someone and to to have someone else shining some lights on some different aspects of me and uh, my thought life. And it really was helpful. But, you know, once we were done working together, it didn't mean I had like completely arrived. Yeah. And, um, Again, I think the fact, going back to the fact that we live in the culture that we do today, where diet culture and what I call the beauty idol is everywhere. Mm -hmm. Um, And so you just can't, I mean, you literally have to like hide away (laughs) um, because it's just um, everywhere. But, you know, I think in all reality, I'm not where I was. And so my goal is to help the women where I was. And, you know, I still have people in my life who I reach out to and keep me accountable. And it's, you know, sanctification is an ongoing thing, not a one time, (laughs) one and done. And so um, the other thing too, I notice, like, and sometimes when I like would maybe right now I'm going through a move and we're selling our house and trying to find a new place and leaving um the county that we're currently in to move an hour away you know like when there's major life stressors Mm -hmm. you know even then if I'm being totally honest there are times when like the stress is just like all right this just is overwhelming and I can feel Ed and the gang want to come in and be like well Mm -hmm. you know what if you would do this and then they tell me their lies Mm -hmm. but the trick is is that the actual lie and the temptation is not the sin. It's yep. what I do with it. And so now I have the tools to be able to say, ah, no, I know that's you legalism and I, I'm going to mm-hmm. need you to shut up because here's what I really, what, here's what Jesus says. Mm-hmm. And, you know, talking about grace, grace is just such the key to all this. Mm-hmm. And I call it uh, being kind to Cass or be kind, <laughs> whatever your first initial is. Uh-huh. Um, because we know how to offer grace to other people, but yeah. we're very, as women, we're very inept when it comes to offering that kindness and compassion and grace to ourselves. Mm-hmm. And so, so much of the work that I have done in my own life and that I help other women with now is to how to have healthy conversations in your head when those lies come up. And rather than be like, oh, you had a, you had a bad thought or a lie or whatever, to be able to say, you know what, you're human, you're going to have that, but it's how you respond to it that really matters. And, um, you know, I think for me, it was 
the shame kept me quiet for so long. Mm-hmm. And so, so much of the victory now is like when I do really struggle or something comes up that I reach out and I tell someone I don't hide in the shame anymore. Yeah, that's really good. Well, yeah, because I think, I think we need to debunk this myth that being free means you're never going to be tempted. Because it's just, it's just like someone, you know, I used to just say a man recovering from porn addiction, but now more and more it's women that are addicted to porn as well. But, but it's just the same as recovering from a porn addiction. Like you are still going to be tempted to lust. You are still going to have that bam email come through that says, you know, hot, whatever. (laughs) And, and you're still going to have the temptation to click on it. And I think it's the same with our brains when we're recovering from this. It's, that thought is still going to come that, Hey, boy, you're kind of looking a little bigger than you used to look, you know, boy, you'd be a lot happier if you could just lose this weight. If you could just, you know, get back to that size you were, did you see that cute dress hanging in your closet that you can't wear anymore? Remember how happy you were then? Maybe you should just not eat today. And then you could go back there and all those, all those thoughts, all those temptations will come. It's just a matter of knowing how to handle them how to respond and not feeling like you said, condemnation, because you have those thoughts. I mean, the enemy is going to keep tempting. (laughs) He's not going to give up, but, but I have noticed, and you can tell me if you've noticed this too, it's not as bad as it used to be. Like he's, he, he's, he's given up significantly because it doesn't work as well anymore. I, you know, I can pretty much flick them off uh, pretty quickly. But like you said, it's important to know that I think when we're stressed, or tired, like when we're at our low points, like that's when he's going to come in because we're more vulnerable then just, just as anyone else is in, in, in any other kind of temptation, you know, which is, I guess why Jesus was tempted after 40 days of no food, right? <laughs> more vulnerable then. Um, but then Jesus's example shows us that we can still stand up to the temptation. You know, so you, like I said, were my guinea pig. Um, We had, there were two people in your group. And then at the same time, I was doing a group of of four people in the personal training that I do. And we just finished another session. This is like my fifth or sixth session, I guess, since since you and I worked together. So it's been interesting because the one thing that I've added, and I don't remember if you and I talked about this other than I was, I know I was encouraging you to go forward and start your business. But one thing I've added is really in that last session, like I, so if you're going to take my personal training, anyone listening, this is what's going to happen to you. Um, but, but I really encourage women to start working with other women because mm-hmm. I believe that when we start sharing our story and start sharing that, just even if it's just a little bit of freedom that we've gained, yeah. that we, we can walk freer. Uh, is this something that you found to be true? Yeah, I claim uh, Revelation where it talks about they ever came by the blood of the lamb and the word mm. of their testimony. Mm, that's good. And I, I, I'm one of the weird ones who I love public speaking. In fact, I wanted to be valedictorian so I could give the the speech uh-huh. graduation and because I wanted to tell people about Jesus, or at least that's what I yeah. told myself. Yeah. But God has a sense of humor and two hours before we had a storm and I gave it in the dark with no microphone. Oh, oh, oh no. <laughs> God has a way of showing us that it's about him and not us. Uh-huh. So Revelation, it talks about they ever came by the blood of the lamb and the word of the testimony. And so I take that ground every time I tell my story because you see, I couldn't even tell my parents the full depth of my mm-hmm. 
depression, anxiety, and despair. That there were times in church in high school, the song would play because he lives, I can face tomorrow. Mm. And that's what would keep me from taking my life. Um, because, you know, it just was so overwhelming. And, you know, when I was at that stage, I thought I was so pathetic and awful, but I look back at my, my younger self, I call her Cass. And, you know, she's a survivor. She didn't give up. And ultimately she was trying to cope with life and didn't have the tools to be able to do so. And so now when like, I, I, like if a thought comes in or I'm struggling or have those temptations, it can be, I see that now as like a warning light on the dashboard saying something's going on. So that then allows me to use the tools that I have to say, Cass, I see that you're struggling. So how can I help you? And how can we do this in a way that's healthy versus trying to use food and your looks to try to gain control and to try to be okay? Yeah, that's really good. And so you have taken this, you have made your dream a reality. You are working with women now. Why don't you tell everyone a little bit about what you're doing now? Yeah, so now I work primarily one-on-one coaching women And again, I work a lot with disordered eating, but I, perfectionism, legalism, and the people pleasing, they show their head uh, quite Mm -hmm. often. And um, then I also go around and publicly speak and share my story. I have a a presentation where basically, you know, I share my story and then I talk about diet culture and body image and ultimately end on how that Jesus is the answer. Mm -hmm. Like, because I thought, you know, the pride was so dangerous mm-hmm. because the, my eyes were on me mm-hmm. and trying to get my worth and my value from how I looked. And so we're totally missing Jesus on the cross suffering for my pride. And so um, I, I'm the type of coach where Uh, My clients are going to know that I don't have it all together. (laughs) No, I want to share my struggles and my pain because that means they weren't for nothing. I see, you know, God redeeming them. I had a client the other day, uh, actually it was in January. uh, We were kind of going over her goals and she said, you know what? Ed doesn't rule my day anymore. I can't tell you how thankful I am for no longer having to live each day based on what Ed wants me to do. That's awesome. So, you know, I look back and there are so many times where I'd be like, Jesus, why aren't you rescuing me? And um, so the amazing thing is underneath the rock, eventually I had to ask for help because I, my shame said I had to get myself out, but in order to really get out, um, you know, it, it was a multidisciplinary team, my dietitian, my counselor, my family doctor, the Holy Spirit all came around me and started chipping away at the rock. And interestingly enough, as the the rock got lighter, light could come through. And mm. all of a sudden I realized that I was face to face with Jesus, that he had been crushed with me the whole time. And that those times when I just wanted to give up and I didn't, I know it was him that was there that was helping me to push through. Mm. And so I want to be, and I'm excited to be able to be that for other people now where I can come around them and help them chip away because I could never, I could never have removed that rock on my own. Yeah. I had to have help. That's good. Yep. 
Yeah, that's you have to start with <laughs> start with saying, "Hey, I can't do this alone." That's really good. Well, Cassandra, if someone wants to work with you, how should they go about connecting with you? Yeah, so they can reach out on my website. It's CassandraBaker.com, and I spell Cassandra with a K. I'll put all that in the show notes, so they'll have no spelling required here. <laughs> and then um, on Instagram and Facebook, I'm at Authenticity and Grace. But yeah, just reach out on my Facebook or my uh, website, and you can uh, email me and contact me. And I do a complimentary two-hour coaching session for anyone who's interested. Awesome. Uh, to kind of just get an idea of, I want you to experience things, you know, saying, talking about coaching is different than experiencing, just about talking about freedom is different than actually experiencing freedom. Yeah. And um, so freedom is possible if it's possible for me. And so I just really want to encourage women to just not give up. And I've had women who say like, they've reached out for help and then they've had a bad experience with mm. reaching out for help. And mm -hmm. so I just really want to encourage them to don't stop reaching out until you find the right people. Yeah. Yeah. That's really good. Well, great. Well, I hope that some listeners will take you up on that and get that free two hour coaching session. That's awesome. You should definitely do that if you're listening today and, and this is resonating with you reach out. Well, Cassandra, thank you so much for being on the show today. Great to talk to you as always. And I'm excited for, uh, for what's ahead for you, for how you're working with women and helping women get set free. So thank you for doing that. Well, thank you. Your book was pivotal and just came at the right time when I was like going into the body image. So I appreciate uh, all that you've done to, for myself as well as for other women. So thank you, Heather. Oh, my pleasure. Well, that's all for today's episode. I want to thank you for listening and I hope to catch you in the next episode. Bye-bye. God kept calling my heart. Like I just knew he was my safe place. I hope people don't walk away going, wow, you're really awesome. More than like, wow, Jesus is really interesting. I and mean, he's really awesome. Everybody on this planet is dealing with some sort of what if. How does that one courageous decision affect the whole world? A ship in harbor is safe, but that's not what ships are built for. If you were encouraged by what you just heard, please search Trevor Talks on your favorite podcast platform or lifeaudio.com.